Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy all the holidays, because I know I'm forgetting some. I don't know about you, but I am taking a few weeks to slow down and rest up. One of the things that I'm going to be doing before the year is over is to sit down and make a list of all the things I've accomplished this year. I think we spend so much time thinking about all the things that we didn't get done or how far we still have to go that our wins tend to get lost in the shuffle. Up until now, I have been very guilty of that. So this year, I'm starting a new tradition. I am going to write down, pen to paper, how far I've come in 2022. I think I'll be pleasantly surprised and my list will probably be longer than I expect it to be. So we'll see how it goes. I invite you to do the same. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I do have to put out a trigger warning for anyone that is sensitive to the topic of suicide. While that part of the conversation is brief, it does get discussed today, so I want to give you fair warning in case you feel like this episode isn't for you. And if that's the case, I totally understand, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Today's guest is Amanda Lees. She lives in Australia with her husband and three kids. She's been a nurse for over two decades and is passionate about her work. She recently released a book called According to Plan after her 10-year-old son's suicide attempt prompted her and her husband to pack up everything, including the kids, and travel around the country in an RV for an entire year. During this time, she surrounded her kids with love as they navigated through the challenges of autism, anxiety, ADHD, and OCD, just to name a few things. Mandy became a teacher to her children as she learned what worked best for each of them. The five of them bonded as a family and had some amazing adventures along the way. I think you'll find this episode full of heart and inspiration, and I can't wait for you to give it a listen. So without further ado, let's welcome Mandy to the show. Hi, Mandy. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Heather. It's so awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. I am so happy you're here. And we were already talking and I said, you're talking to me from the future because it's Wednesday (laughs) where I am and you are in Australia and it is Thursday there. So anything exciting I should know about this coming tomorrow? (laughs) No, well, our Thursday here is a bit different. So we've, I don't know what you guys do or if you're doing anything, but we, for the Queen's passing, we've got a public holiday today. Everyone's home. All right. The way I like to start my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book, and I will ask you a question from whichever book you choose. I'm wearing blue, so I'll go with blue. All right. (laughs) What will you do in your downtime 20 years from now? That's an easy one for me. I will be traveling around Australia in a caravan with my husband. Amazing. Amazing. And I would love for you to tell me a little bit about what were you like as a young child? What was your personality like? What did you do for fun? 
if you had asked me that a week ago, I would have given you a different answer. Oh. So just, yeah, just on the weekend, I did this mindset boot camp and they did a meditation back into your childhood. And I had always used the words when people say, what were you like as a child? I would always say, oh, I was very shy. Oh, you know, I struggled through school. I was very quiet. But then when I actually did this meditation and it like took you back to your inner child, I was actually quite brave and courageous and it changed my whole perception of my childhood. It was really interesting. So when I used to use those words, you know, you envision this little girl all shy and quiet and behind people. But the actual fact was I was school captain and I did drama to come out of my shell. And, yes, I did struggle with English and maths. I did tutoring. And I went to university and studied nursing. So it sort of just changed my whole perspective of what I was thought I was like as a child and what I actually was like as a child. Oh, my gosh. That's so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and now I will say I was courageous and I was a real go-getter. And I think a lot of what I did as a child has brought me to where I am today and I didn't even realize how awesome she was back then. That's a beautiful realization. Yeah, it was. It was really enlightening. It was just, yeah, it was really, it was really, really interesting. I did, I did this boot camp and, and when I looked at the workbook and I had, you know, your inner child, I was like, oh, my childhood was good. I had nothing there. And it was the most reflecting area of the entire weekend that I had. Mm. And I didn't think it would do anything. Like I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm sure people have issues with childhood, but I don't. <laughs> and then here I was like crying as I met my child and, you know, forgave myself for treating my inner child that way. It was really, yeah, it was, it was quite, it, it was awesome. Yeah. So I walked away very proud of my inner child and me. Yeah, it was really cool. Oh, I love that. And yeah, I think even for those of us that didn't have, you know, a quote unquote traumatic childhood, there's still stuff there for us to look at because it is what makes you who you are today. Yeah, definitely. And I, I really, even in my book that I wrote, I didn't really touch on my childhood because it was it was a note, like there was nothing, it was just a normal childhood. I just had, you know, what is normal. But, you know, my parents are still together. I had three brothers and sisters. We grew up in a good home. We never had to, we were always fed. We were always loved. Um, and it was a really loving environment. So it just didn't, yeah, it just wasn't on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember yes. what you wanted to be when you were little? Yes, I did want to be a nurse for a very, like, I was very young when I said nursing. And because I struggled so much with my reading and writing, I didn't know if I would be able to do that. My parents just always said, you'll do whatever you want to do. If you want to do nursing, I'm like, yeah, but I've got to go to university. And they're like, you can do it. And so they, they really instilled that in a very young age that then, yeah, I did do my university and I've been nursing now for almost nearly 25 years I'm coming up to. So obviously done different things in nursing, women's health and lots of different things. And now I've moved on, I'm doing my counselling diploma. So I've always had that nurturing, supporting in me, I guess. Yeah. From a very young age. Yeah. I hear that a lot. uh, People want to be nurses or teachers or help others in some way. And we need people like that because not everyone's like that. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of not nurturing people. 
So your story, I would love for you to share with us because I know you had told me you packed up your family and you traveled the world. So I would love for you to tell us why did you do that? What did you learn from it and where you are now? So we, 2018, so just to give you a little bit of a background, pretty much since I started having children, life didn't go according to plan. So I had complicated pregnancies. We had asthma, chronic pneumonias, meningitis, chronic bronchiolitis. We had like everything under the sun going on with the children, allergies, anaphylaxis to eggs, nuts, wheat, just heaps of stuff. So it was very, very challenging. By the time Emily was, so Emily's my oldest, by the time she was six, she was diagnosed Asperger's and anxiety. And two months later, my son was diagnosed with ASD. And then along that journey, they developed, they, they added some letters, ADHD, ADD, OCD, ODD, um, a whole lot of range, dyslexia along the way. So school was really, really hard for them. So the whole way through, it was challenging. We did what we could. We did the strategies. We had early intervention, psychology, OT, all that sort of stuff. But by 2018, we'd really hit rock bottom. It did actually take us by surprise. And the reason why it took us by surprise was that we had been doing so well. And then I got a phone call from the school saying that Hayden was trying to kill himself. Mm. So, and the reason why it came on so quickly, which I didn't know at the time, was that, yes, he did have a lot of things going on and struggles. And, you know, when this obviously happened, he was only 10. So we were straight on to the, we have an acute mental health team. So, of course, I was like, yes, help us. He wants help. And we sat in that room that first time we he, we met the psychiatrist and he was like, he's not depressed. And I was like, really? Because that's what you connect with someone trying to hurt themselves. And then so we're like, oh, okay. So he's not depressed. He's like, no, he's not depressed. Yes, he is anxious. But they ended up diagnosing with OCD. And I was like, okay, you're going to have to explain that to me because my idea of OCD is washing hands, which Hayden had done in the past and, you know, checking things and, and getting fixated on, on things. And he said, yes, but it's also fixated on, on thought processes. And at the moment that's the thought process he's, he's on and he's stuck on that thought process, of, thought process of it's just better off, it's too hard, I should just end. So we went down that route. In the background, my girlfriend was also very spiritual and tapped into some of her her people. We also then got linked into another sort of realm of people and got hold of a lady and she, and so my son kept saying, the black hooded man's telling me to do it. So obviously I couldn't see anything. And then we connected with this lady and she was like, yes, there is a, a spirit that's attached. Wow. So we, although the OCD contributed, this also contributed. So that doesn't just go away. She did get rid of him, but then there's more spirits that keep coming. So he's a very bright light and he can see the spirits and hear them. And um, they're very much attracted to him because of his brightness and his role in life is what they've told me. He'll have a big role to play. And, and a lot of spirits didn't want that. So they were coming to get rid of him in whatever way they wow. needed. So, yeah, it's pretty heavy. But so, yeah, 
at the end of the day, we were still in a really shit position. You know, we were medicating the OCD, we were getting the spiritual guidance, but it was just really tough and school was just not, you know, we got to a point where we could get him for two hours a day. He had to have one-on-one supervision. They got extra funding, so he always had a teacher with him. Um, I've shuffled my work around so that he could do two hours and then I'd pick him up and he always had to have supervision. This went on for months. So... One of those mornings, it was it was a tough, tough morning, and I messaged my husband and said, I'm done. <laughs> Let's sell everything and travel around Australia. And he was like, oh, bad day. And I was like, yes. And he's like, let's talk tonight. So I was waiting for him to get home. And, yeah, we, we worked out a plan. We didn't want to run away. We just wanted to have some time with our family and, and have a change. So that was in about March, April, and um, we spent that year planning to walk away from our jobs for 12 months to rent out the house and and travel and it was like the best thing we ever did and it was just amazing just to have quality time with the kids to see them thrive being them so because the school system wasn't very good for my older two my my youngest was thriving and getting all the academic awards and and absolutely nailing it but for the other two, it was just really hard. So we homeschooled all three of them and that was a real insight into because Hayden really struggled to learn and obviously with the anxiety, that frontal shuts down and then they can't learn. So, you know, we kept getting told that he wasn't able to learn, but we knew he could. He was such a smart smart kid. So we really wanted to just get him out of that environment, really surround him with love and see what would happen. And he just thrived. He was writing better, reading better. Like maths, he was amazing at. And with the dyslexia, obviously that the pages were too big. So I just worked out this little system and I cut a little hole in the paper and put it around one maths question and he'd just get it like that. And then we just move the piece of paper. And so, and then you'd take the paper away and he will have done a whole entire page of maths and getting a hundred percent. And he was just, so it just allowed us to really work out what they needed, bond again as a family, like having the mixes that we had in our household was really challenging. So me and Scotty are only human and, yeah, sometimes it was just not very pretty. And they were pretty intense kids, so multiple trips to emergency where, you know, they've hurt themselves or in a meltdown, they've we thought we've dislocated the arm or, you know, lots of things like that. So it, it was just amazing to have that time as a family and be happy and everyone just be comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. Mm. And we did go in 2020. So we got hit with the pandemic. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, Thank you for sharing all of that. That's such an amazing story. I'm curious to know if there was any part of you that was scared to just pick up and leave, or if it was a case of you were more scared, what would happen if you did it? I was more scared of what happened if we didn't, but there was definitely the fee as well. Like we were just going against, people would just look at us and go, what are you doing? And we're like, oh, we're, we're, we're taking off. They're like, like, one time when we were getting the house ready for rental, we had to get all the pest inspection and stuff. And this one guy just was like, oh, are you you renting the house? Or, you know, what? What? because the house was obviously becoming very empty. And he's like, oh, you're moving. We're like, oh, yeah, we're moving into the caravan that's out the front. And he's like, oh. 
And I was like, oh, no, we're choosing to. And it was like, you're leaving this to move into that. And he just, he literally stared at me for about three minutes. And I'm like, no, we really want to. We're really excited about this. And he's like, so you're choosing. And I was like, yes, we are choosing. Absolutely. You know, and our jobs, we had both had good jobs that we actually really enjoyed. But I mean, our, our works were amazing and very supportive and they were happy. We went straight back to our jobs that we had and we both got promotions when we got back. So that was amazing. <laughs> didn't expect that. But, um, yeah, so we were just going against that dream of paying off the house and getting ahead. Like, obviously, that trip put us behind. But if we didn't, who knows where we would be right now? Like, who knows if we would have three children? Like, it was just such a shitty situation. And then now we're just continuing to thrive. Like, it was amazing. Oh, I just, I love that story. And even what you were saying about the math problems and you would just have a piece of paper cover the rest of them. So he would only focus on the one. And I think as parents, of course, we want what's best for our kids. And sometimes we just don't know what to do or how to make that happen. And so I love that you've been able to play around and figure out what works yeah. best for your kids. Yeah. And you do, you have so much flexibility when you homeschool. Like we did it all legitimately. I had to put in a, a whole entire learning plan for each child to the Department of Education and have it approved and then I had to report. And like, so we did do it the correct, we didn't just take off and hang out. Um, we did do it and it was amazing. Like as much as like it was, a, it's like a 50 typed page document, my plan, but you had to go into how you were going to do it and what were their main goals. And so for Hayden, it was like his mental health, that is my goal and his reading and writing. And then if he, if they improve, then I'll add science and then I'll add, you know, social studies. So that was what we did. And I was able just to manage his anxiety so that he wasn't anxious. So he was always learning. And as the, the anxiety came down, then I would increase. And if it built up, then I just drop it back down again. Mm -hmm. We're really able to just manage those areas. And Emily, the same, like she, she got really, she got really pissed off when we started homeschooling because she's a very smart girl, but we would give her something and she'd just go back and get the answers out of the, the blurb, whatever you had to read. And so then I would sit back and say, oh, so can you tell me what you've learned? And she was like, no. She's like, I've done the answers. And I'm like, I know you've done the answers and you got a hundred percent. But what did you learn? She's like, I've done them. And she got really annoyed at me. And I was like, yeah, but you haven't learned them if you can't tell me what you learned. So I'd make her go back and do it. And she's like, I can't believe you. The teachers would be happy. I got 100%. Why are you not happy? And I was like, because you haven't actually learned anything. You're smart enough to go through, pluck out what you need and put it down, but you haven't learned it. So that was a big, really a turning point for her. So we're like, look, I had to read aloud when I was a kid because my comprehension, if I read it aloud, that would work. Try it. So she'd go off and sit under a tree and read it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that away and now answer the questions. And she did it. And I was like, look how much quicker that is. She's like, it is quicker. And I was like, now tell me about it. And she could tell me about it. And I was like, that's learning. Mm. And she was like, oh. So she got it in the end. But, yeah, just that whole schooling system, it's just a tick, 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 tick and fill out the answers and, oh, you got 100%, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, but it's I, not learning. <laughs> it's not learning. I have two kids in school and I feel the same way. Like it's just, it's a memorization test, the mm. whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then if you do, if you, if you like sort of admit that, they go, no, no, it's not memory. Like you've just memorized that. 
Yeah, that's what you are teaching. Like, like if you do the sight words and things like that, they ask you to memorize them, but then they don't want you to memorize them. You need to learn. Like it's uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, str- I struggle. I mean, God bless our teachers, but I really just yeah. do struggle with our public education system because I think it's so flawed. And you're not yeah. really, like you said, the students aren't actually learning. And they're not, the things that they're teaching in many cases are not things that they actually need to learn to go be humans in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. So we did budgeting for maths for Emily and what it looks like moving out of home and what bills you have and, you know, what what sort of a, we made her do what she would like to, to purchase when she moved out of home and what that would entail for a yearly salary and then taking off your tax and then what you're actually left with and then what happens if the car breaks down and like all these practical things that I oh, just lack. I mean, and I, the teachers do an amazing job with what they have because they don't dictate what they have to learn or how they have to. So it's a really tough one. And I think every teacher goes in with that ambition to to teach children, but it's just, it's getting harder for them. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And then the more anxious the room comes, the harder it is to teach. And then you've got all the other characters in the classroom. Like I just, people say, how are you a nurse? I'm like, oh, how do teachers teach? Like, I just think it would be the hardest job. Absolutely. So hats off to them, but yeah, but no, it was great. We, we had an absolute ball. So how are they doing today? It sounds like they're doing really well. Yeah, yeah. So Emily, so when she got home, she tried schools, um, not for Joshy, the youngest, but the older two, we did a more alternate school. For Emily, it didn't work. Um, so by the end of the first year back, I was homeschooling again and she wanted to do nursing. So I just did systems of the body and that was our math, English gave her different things to do and then we changed to schools the following year and did it was like a learning college so she did it year 10 expediated in six months so she finished in June this year um so she's been working full-time and she starts her nursing at TAFE next month so because she's already got her year 10 certificate yeah so she's going into nursing she's keen as mustard I'm like oh just continue to work for a bit like chill out but she's like no we went to the open day and we're like yeah we're looking at next year we're like oh we have an October intake and was like yep I'll do it I'm like no no just like chill and she's she's keen as mustard so she starts next month so she'll be doing her enrolled nursing Hayden's doing really well at the school like they he did struggle to back to the schooling system but this year he's just taken off again and the teacher's actually doing her PhD on him because of how far he's grown and the whole, if the child's not learning the way you teach, teach the way they learn. Mm. So she said, that's what I've applied to Hayden and it's working amazingly. And he's doing, she's going to do a PhD on what she's done around that working with Hayden. And he's like, so he was, before we left, he was like, he was in year six and he was doing maths and English at year two. I did over 12 months successfully with 100% with all his testing while we were away. We did about a year and a half and he's now with maths, he's back up to his year level. So he's in year eight. So the, all his subjects are back up to where he should be and English is still behind, but they're hoping by the time he finishes, he'll be up to the same level as every other child. So dramatic changes 
I was going to ask if he still has these spirits attached to him or is, has he been able to get rid of those? The nasty one, the hooded one, he, that he went, and this was all very new for me. Like I was just like completely blown away. Obviously when your child's making and doing these actions, you, you will do whatever. So I was open to whatever. No, they're constantly around him. And it's just about, he now has tools to navigate that side of his life. Mm. So we still, I'm really, really good friends with the lady that supported us through that. And she still supports me through that as well. But he's just a lot stronger and a lot more um, confident and has strategies to get rid of them, um, protect himself. And his is also that he he's very empathetic and he can feel. And like, so even in primary school, the teachers used to, so we were doing all this spiritual stuff in the background, which you can't tell the school, but I'd take him to school and the teacher would be like, I don't know how Hayden does it, but he knows exactly what's going on with every single child in the classroom. Mm. And I was like, oh. So knowing what I knew, I knew that he could read people. And, you know, sometimes he wouldn't want to go to school because he knew what was going to happen at school to another child or how a child was going to feel. Um, so he would say, I don't want to go. And it was because of what he knew was going to happen. So he can see. So there's so many things that just affect him that way. But now, yeah, he's he's doing really well. We cloak up. He, he, he's learning to acknowledge his feelings, others' feelings, making sure he owns his only his own and not the others. And just, yeah, he, he's such a beautiful soul. He's just very caring. And, you know, all the teachers are like, he just looks after everyone at that school. And he just really, and so I think he would do something like that when he's older, Aww, supporting people. That. Yeah. So on your year on the road, besides teaching and, and having your kids homeschool, did you guys have any fun? Like what else did you do? Oh God, yeah. We had so much fun, like so much fun. So we had lockdown like the rest of the world, but we were in a caravan park. So we met the, the owners really well, who I still talk to all the time. So it was, we had like a little community. Um, we had animals there. We helped them do up the, the caravan park. We painted their playground. So we had an awesome time. And then when we could move, so we were on the other side of Australia, which wasn't as affected like the eastern side. So we were pretty, you know, safe. I, I joined the hospital in case things went bad, but it just didn't really on the other side. Oh, we went shark diving. So Joshy was like eight and he's so little because of all these allergies, he struggles to put on weight. And so, you know, we all went down together, hung out with the shark that just like Scotty was just down there for hours. And I said to the guys, you're going to have to turn the oxygen off because he won't come up. (laughs) But we just loved it. Um, We did horizontal falls. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, what is that? So that's, so that's in WA right at the very, very um, Northern point. And it's, where the tides change and it creates a horizontal waterfall. So we went on a speedboat through this horizontal. It was amazing. Through oh the Kimberleys. Oh, it was just stunning. And to do that, we had to fly over to a little island and then get on a boat and go there. And we got on in the morning and the pilot was, you know, giving everyone their seats. It's only a little plane. And I got to be the, in the cockpit. So I was the pilot's navigator. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and he was like, like when he said you're in the front seat, and I was like, ha ha. And he was like, no, no, you are. Do you mind being my assistant? I was like, oh, my God. Like I was so excited and just on cloud nine. Yeah, so we did that as well. Oh, we did so much like sunset cruises. We did 
Oh, just the fishing, like, was amazing. Catching trevally off the beach, like, nearly a metre long and just, it was nuts. So many things. In the Kimberleys, it's amazing and there's just so many crevices and um, inlets and you're jumping off rocks and you're, like, ah, the walking through the scenery, the bungle bungles. Like, we just, Ayers Rock, like, that was amazing. And we had Ayers Rock to ourselves. So we literally passed one other family when we walked around at Uluru and the only other people we saw were the um, rangers that were doing burning off. Nothing was open. It was just we had the olgas to ourselves. Me and Emily did this walk. The boys were too tired, but me and Emily did this amazing walk through the olgas and just it was we were like two little girls running through this amazing scenery and not a sight, not another single person to be seen and we just had a ball. It was, it was amazing. You would oh. never see a straight like we did. It was just deserted and it was raw and like we just had these places to ourselves. It sounds like you made some amazing memories with your family. Uh, yeah. So I think we'll do it again. Like the older two, obviously Emily's doing TAFE and Hayne's doing really well at his school. So we won't do anything there, like disrupt them now that they're doing so well. But once they're old enough, Josh is like, can we go? Can we go? So he's keen to go again. So I think when the older two get old enough, we'll head off and maybe just for six months. But yeah, we just loved it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So you have a book on Amazon. So I would love for you to tell my listeners, what is it called and what is it about? So it's called According to Plan, Riding the Unpredictable Waves of Motherhood. It's basically a memoir of my journey of raising the children. So a little, it just does a little bit of a background of me, but then the, the book itself is about raising the children and my own journey, hard, hard lessons that you need to take care of part of it and really looking at me I could look after the children and just accepting that path that we were given. It's just not why me, but how do I get out of this? <laughs> like it was just so hard, you know, when you're not, when you don't even have a diagnosis and that day to day of like what the actual is going on. Why can't my daughter get her socks on? Why are we having these meltdowns? Why, like it was just, what is happening? You know, my son's allergies, Hayden's asthma, we're in and out of hospital. And it's like, what the actual, this wasn't in, you know, antenatal classes. They didn't tell me about this. And and I was a nurse as well. You know, Hayden didn't talk to him, he was three and a half, four. Everything for him was hard, going from liquids to solids because he had low muscle tone everywhere. His eyes, he had low muscles around his eyes so he couldn't see, he kept falling over and hitting his head. And, you know, the muscles around his lungs, so his asthma was just really bad and that's how he got the pneumonias. And just it just the entire journey and I'm just very raw with it. It's just telling it how it was and what I learned along the way. Amazing. And I will definitely link to your book in my show notes. What advice do you have for moms who are, or or dads, who are struggling right now where they are having a sense of frustration or overwhelm or like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with my kid here. Like where should it start? I mean, I guess it depends where they're at in their journey with their child. Like if they have not reached out to any, like if if you haven't reached out, it depends where they're at. If they hadn't reached out to anyone and they're just sitting at home going, I don't even know what's happening. Um, reach out to the guidance counselor at, at schools. I'm assuming you guys would have that as well. We do. That would be your first place to to talk to somebody and say, is this normal? Like what's going on? And then they would be able to guide you whether you need a pediatrician or anything like that. I mean, before all that, 
And if you're struggling at home and your kids are just out of control or just frustrating you, I think the biggest thing that I did for me was really look after me. And at that the early stages, I just thought that was so selfish. I was like, I can't do that. Why would I do that? I've got to look after the kids. And it really was a real big shift in me that um, I had to just acknowledge that if I don't take care of myself, I cannot take care of my children. I was very much in the mind of I have to take care of my children and if they're happy, I'll be happy. It doesn't work like that. If you're really unhappy, first and foremost, get yourself some help. Really look at you and see what is going on with you because if you're not right, you're going to reflect some of those things onto the children which will then make them uncomfortable and anxious. And that's a really big, really big shift for me. I, that was a very big turning point. You know, giving myself permission to go to the gym or do my yoga, go out with my girlfriends, you know, have someone look after the kids so me and my husband can go out for dinner and not feeling guilty. Like we need to have our our love or we won't survive. So I do talk a lot about that as well with mine and Scott's relationship. And when I had to pull him up and go, come on, I can't do this by myself. Like, please. And he'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, are you serious? And, you know, (laughs) so just making sure you're at the same point and communicating that because if you don't communicate it, you're just going to get further apart, you know. And so for autistic children in particular, so we have two, which just having one, the divorce rate's 80%. So we have two plus another little one with other needs. So we were we were going against the odds. So I heard this in the lift at the hospital with some doctors talking about they'd just gone to an autistic conference and, and how hard it is for the parents. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that. It's very hard. When they told me the divorce rate, I was just like, oh. I, no one knew I had autistic kids, by the way. I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, just a nurse in the hospital. I went home to Scotty and said, 80% divorce rate. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, autistic parents, 80%. I was like, I'm not being that 80%. I, I will not have it. And, you know, so just being very honest. And and then, you know, for a lot of autistic kids, they do have the divorced parents, which only makes it harder for them. Yeah. So if we can keep our parents together, if it's in a, you know, a good relationship, I'm not saying everyone needs to be together. Some people aren't meant to be together, but if we can make it work, and a lot of autism is very much a DNA. We did DNA testing on our kids for autism and the different um, factors that contribute to their exacerbating the autistic characteristics, so inflammation, cardiac, heart care. So there's a whole lot of genes that are very typical of autistic children, anyone, humans. So getting that as well and understanding that it is in the family, as much as you might want to ignore it or not, um, it's going to come from somewhere. We mean Scotty both now have learned so much by learning what these characteristics are. And now we just have so much more acknowledgement for who we are and not judgment. Like Scotty's definitely like Emily and that sort of definitely ADHD, a little bit OCD and just little things that he does. We now look at each other and smile and go, oh, isn't that cute? (laughs) Instead of thinking, why am I the only one doing this? Why does nobody else do it? So it's given us a whole lot more understanding. And I think just sometimes parents are very much like, well, I was like that and I'm fine. Why do you even need to help? Like, why? I didn't get any help. But, and Scotty used to say the same thing. I was like that. Like, what's wrong with it? And it's like, would you have liked someone to help you? Well, yes. So that's why we're helping our children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's it, just, it's almost that shame. They don't want to admit it. And if I just ignore it, it'll just go away. It's not going to go away. 
it's nothing that needs to go away. It's just something that needs to be acknowledged and then give the tools in order to thrive in this world. And that's what it's all about with my kids, definitely just explaining. It's nothing wrong with the way that you think, but 98% of people won't think that way. So you need to be aware that when you say that, most people are going to think that. Is that what you want them to think? No. Okay, so you need to word it differently so that you, you're not misinterpreted because they just get very misunderstood. Mm. Um yeah, like they're amazing little brains. Like they're very different. Yeah. Emily, when she had her sixth birthday, so she'd had a best friend from birth, one of my best friends. And when it got to her sixth birthday, so she was at school and I said, are you going to invite Sky? And she's like, no. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, she's been to five of my birthdays. And the kids at school haven't been to any, so she's had five. So I'll I'll invite the kids from school. They haven't been to any of my birthdays. And it's like, you know, you can have Sky as well. Can I? It's like, you yeah, darling. She's like, she can come to all your birthdays. She's like, oh, I just thought that because she's been to five, I'll take the other kids. I was like, okay, that's going to make Sky really sad. Oh, really? But she's had five. And, like, so just that was her thought process. So if she had said to Sky, you're not coming to my birthday, Sky would have just been distraught. But in Emily's head, she's like, you've been to five. Do you really want to come to another one? Like, this is, what's the big deal? So it comes across so different. But just And the more you get to understand your children, the more you can say, okay, what did you want to achieve by saying that? And then, okay, so that's not how they're going to take it. A lot of conversations around that, Mm. making sure that they're heard correctly for what they're actually thinking. Yeah. They come across rude. They come across like. Oh, gosh. I love that so much. And I know that you are working on another book. So do you want to tell us about that one? Yes. So I've got two. So I've got one coming out in November. Yeah, it's Journey of Riches, Master Your Mindset. Yes, that's coming out in November, Master Your Mindset. But I'm also working on another one now. So I've got about 10 mums that are collaborating and so that's why I went to that one. So what I'm doing for my next book is when I wrote my book, it was such a a healing journey for me and it gave me so much healing. I was just, because I'm not a writer, like I'm like, you don't, know that when you read my book, but writing was never something that I did. I wasn't someone said, I I just always wanted to write a book. I always wanted to help people support them through this journey that's so rough, but I didn't know it was going to be in a book. But when I wrote, the healing process was so amazing and allows me to now talk about it without getting those built up emotions that I had. So then I was like, how do I, how do I get that? And then the amount of people that have read it and had healing. So it's like a double bonus. So I was like, how do I share this with more people? So it's like, I need other women to write about motherhood. So that's where this one came from. So I've got now 10 mothers on board with me. And so I've given them seven questions about motherhood. So they're all answering them. And it's so cool. I love it. It's like, oh, another one. When they send back their their chapters and the process that they're getting out of it too is so awesome. And then it's just going to allow all the mothers that are reading it to to realize how different everybody's experience of motherhood and, and none of them are right or wrong. There's no right way to be a mother or a wrong way if you've got love behind you. So this is just about getting women to express themselves by writing and then allowing other women to read it and feel okay about their journey. 
So that's my next one after that one. That sounds so needed in this world. And I am sure it's just going to help so many people. So before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions, meaning you don't have to answer (laughs) quickly, but just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. And it's just so my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. First question, what is your favorite birthday or holiday memory? Probably my favorite holiday memory was Mother's Day when the children finally became more comfortable and settled and I watched a movie for the first time since I'd had children. So Emily with her ADHD, she couldn't sit still. Mm. Um, And when we finally got all the inflammation, everything down and medication on board plus, you know, all the strategies that you have, I remember sitting down on Mother's Day and watching a movie with the family and I, like I had a little tear. I was like, oh my God, I'm watching a movie. Like such a, would be such a non-event for anyone else, but I was just like in heaven to be able to sit down for an entire movie with my family. Aww. So probably that one. I yeah, it was a really special one. All right, yeah. next question. What is something you do for fun? Well, I love to travel, obviously, in the caravan. I love to go overseas. Like we've taken the kids overseas quite a few times and I love to go away with one-on-one with Scotty. I love to walk, bush, beach um, with my girls. Those all sound amazing. Next question. How would your best friend describe you? Probably a bit of an energizer bunny. A very loyal friend, very caring, I would say. What do you love to learn more about? Everything. I'm constantly learning. I I love learning. So I'm doing the counseling diploma at the moment. I love learning about writing. Like people like, oh, did you do all these writing courses? No, no, I just sat down and wrote. Now I'm doing more of that. So I love learning that. Oh my God, writing a book was such a learning curve. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And my publisher was awesome in in guiding me through that. But like, I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, hmm. No, we need to do this or that or, you know, like even down to, so like I've got my book here, like he'd write to me and say you need to do a preference and I was like, oh, what's a preference? (laughs) (laughs) That's how like, and he'd be like, okay, preference is this. And I'm like, oh, isn't that like the prologue? What's the difference between preference and a prologue? Anyway, (laughs) I'm just being completely honest. Anyone can write a book with the right guidance. I'm always learning. Even in my nursing job, I'm constantly learning and I love it. And there's that saying, isn't there? If you you die when you stop learning, like you should always be learning. Everyone should be like, yeah, I, I love learning. Yeah. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? I think the biggest lesson I've learned in life that would have been nice to know younger was just to be kind to yourself. It's a huge one. Yeah. 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 And when it's done right, wow, it unleashes just so much you're just such a better human you know when you're kind to yourself and I just think it all starts with you and if you can sort yourself out own your own shit it it has that ripple effect to everyone around you 100 percent well Mandy this was so much fun I love talking to you in the future (laughs) you'll catch up eventually yeah I'll be there tomorrow no you won't you never will (laughs) you have to come over to Australia (laughs) I would love to come there someday although some of the wildlife scares me. Like you guys have giant like spiders, things so like that. So if you do me. read my book, you'll probably get a bit freaked out. So 
the, the nature, it, I think you guys just over-exaggerate, but in my book I'll even tell, I talk about when we went into like croc-infested waters, but there's a difference between the, the freshwater crocs and saltwater crocs. So the freshies don't like to bite. But, like, the night before we're, like, spotlighting the crockies in the lake and then we had to get up really early because it was so hot in the day, so we had to do this walk bright and early. So we got up the next morning and the croc-infested river we had to walk through in order to get to the next one. <laughs> and, like, people would freak out about that. But you just, you just, yeah, it's not that scary. <laughs> you just have to do it with someone that knows the wildlife. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, maybe someday. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. You gave us so much to think about, and I am so happy to hear that your family is thriving. Yeah, thank you. Me too. It's uh, amazing. Throughout this entire conversation, I just kept thinking how brave and courageous Mandy was to take the steps that she knew in her mom heart were necessary for her kids to thrive. When I think of how scary it must have been to pack up her family and do what she did while at the same time being even more scared to not do something, I see such strength in her decision. I think there is so much for all of us to learn about how each of our kids' needs are individual and how sometimes doing a 180 in their lives is the best medicine you can give them. Mandy is a great example of tuning into that. Links to connect with Mandy and buy her book are all listed in the show notes, so make sure you check that out if you're interested. As always, I appreciate you being here. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me for you to subscribe or follow my podcast on whatever platform you choose. Apple Podcasts gets favored the most heavily, so if you don't have a preference, I invite you to subscribe there. And while you're at it, I'd love it if you would give me a five-star review. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio, and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 